Hi, welcome to the latest episode of Mistress Mia's Dungeon. I'm your hostess, Mistress Mia, and you know my badass bitch, my sidekick, Master John Lord Valajan Hotcakes. Yay, me! <laughs> We're so obnoxious. I'm so sorry. <laughs> we have guests, and they were not ready for that. <laughs> Okay, well, so, we did it. Yeah, so today we're... <laughs> Why don't you do the introductions today? I can't do the introductions. <laughs> so, <laughs> today we uh, we welcome special guests from the Kinky Cocktail Hour. Yeah. Yes. That's exciting. So, we have Saffer, and we have his partner in crime. <laughs> Tell us your name. Lady Petra. Lady Petra. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. So thank you for joining us today. You're welcome. Um, John and I, we have listened to a couple of different of your episodes, but the one that really <laughs> stuck out was still pe- the penis puppetry. Puppetry and- is hilarious. <laughs> Get it right. <laughs> if they're going to play with their penis and do videos of it, they should at least have enough respect. To get it correct, get right? It right. Well, Lady Petra, <laughs> you're you just laughing hysterically on it. He was. She I was, was literally laughing hysterically. I, yeah, we I laughing was dying. Too. John and I were in the car and we're like, oh my God, this is freaking <laughs> hilarious. Yeah, that was a very funny episode. You know, we've interviewed that guy about three or four times and we've sort of seen him on his journey as a as a Oh, an and artist. he's really transformed. He's really transformed, but he reached out to me and said, you know, I've got this thing that I'm doing with puppetry and I'd like to come talk about it. (laughs) And we were just not expecting that conversation at all. It just came completely out of the blue. And for whatever reason, we were just on a roll with him and he was like really good about it. And it was very, very funny. He's a very, very funny guy and his work is great. And if you listen to that episode, follow the links, go visit him and, you know, support his work because he's a great Canadian yeah, really peanut puppeteer. Penis puppeteer. <laughs> <laughs> when she first said it, I thought of Real Sex on HBO where yeah, they had yeah, yeah. on stage. And then I was listening to that. And it was completely different, but it was still great. And I think my favorite part was you just laughed hysterically when he said he was going to bring on some guest hands. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and then I asked him, like, like, you know, like for awards, like supporting actor, you know, in the right. hand. I was just like, oh my goodness, you have Somebody to do it. your dick and doing weird shit to it. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah, that was fun. <sighs> my favorite part was when you said, so do you make clothes? And he says, no, I get dog clothes and I alter them. And you said, so does it have a little hat? <laughs> <laughs> and he said, yes. <laughs> Oh my god! I had all these images going through my head, like the you know the the leather biker dude penis with the hat, like you know the oh my god, and like mask on Robin Hood with the feather, and just like oh my goodness, I thought it was awesome. I was wondering if he had had like guest penises. Yes, he did talk about the other. (laughs) Wow, that's great. what, what intrigued me the most, and I haven't seen it yet, was he played two characters and one was a female. I need to see how this penis is yes. a female. Well, it's all, the, it's all the, it's, you know, the penis is a, an actor. Delacroix, right? whatever yeah. you said. Somebody Delacroix. And, and, you know, as an actor, the penis plays roles. 
Sometimes a male role, sometimes a female role. It's a drag, it's a drag penis. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, so, you know, one of our objectives as podcasters is to demystify kink and sexuality and having conversations with people like that who are artists in the world of sexuality and porn, you know, they really are just expressing themselves as an artist. Not re- he's, not, he's not really a porn star, although he, his genre is in genital and genitalia, and he masturbates to ejaculation so there is porn in it right but it's not it's not really pornography in the way that we think of pornography it's not penis and vagina porn it's really artistic expression around sexuality and we love that because we just think americans are too hung up about sex you know yeah well that's that's accurate (laughs) (laughs) go ahead no it's good because i feel like a lot of times americans are and I feel like it has a lot to do with the Christian religion as, as a background for a lot of our culture is where we vilify sexuality and we suppress it so much that when it does come out, it comes out in an unhealthy ways. Mm-hmm. So to be able to talk about it and to, and to bring it back out is able to express ourselves in a way that's more healthy and isn't as violent as sometimes we see. No, it's true. Uh, Mr. Mia, you talked about, you know, growing up in a Christian household, very Catholic and very restrictive and constrained. And we've interviewed hundreds of people, and that's a very common experience that kinksters have, you know. They they have this constrained experience of sexuality growing up with really bizarre considerations around, you know, consent and all of this. And then they start to explore sexuality with their vanilla partner, and they, they just don't feel like they're close to achieving anything like sexual satisfaction. And then the world opens up for them into kink. And all of a sudden they just reject that dogma and they sort of take on a more adult version of sexual exploration as kinksters, which I think is great. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So one of the questions we ask all of our guests is tell us, how did you know you were into kink and when did that start? Okay, fair enough. So, um, I was like 16, and I grew up in South Africa in a uh, government school where there was corporal punishment, and there was a moment in a classroom where a girl got caned in the classroom, and the thing that made this interesting was this girl, Kathy, had been sitting on my foot, sort of making herself feel good, and she got called up and got caned in front of the class, and the teachers generally didn't cane the girls, they only caned the boys, but she demanded that she got caned. She got caned, she didn't make a sound, she came and sat on my foot and had a huge orgasm, and I got a hard-on. And I didn't know what all of that was (laughs) at the time, but as I have had time to consider it through the course of my adult life, I realized that was my first inquiry into kink as a possibility in sexuality. So through that, you know, through my 20s, I got like I married a vanilla girl. We didn't really have kinky sex, but I had kinky fantasies. And through my marriage, I dabbled here and there in kinky sex. But it wasn't until I got divorced that I just took a deep dive into kink to explore who I was as a sexual creature well into my 50s. Um, it, it, I knew I was kinky early. I didn't understand how significant kink was for me as a self-expression. And, you know, referencing back to our podcast, I can tell you that the common occurring that we have with our guests is 
all of those who are fully self-expressed kinksters who are living into their full self-expression as kinky people, they're the happiest people we meet. And so that's been true for me too. Like I didn't achieve happiness, satisfaction, relationship, intimacy, vulnerability, any of that till I became aware of myself as a kinky person. So do you still have intimate moments with your foot? That's a good question. Uh, no, no, actually, no, I've moved on. I've moved on a little bit. Oh, darn. <laughs> so Lady Petcha, the same question. So, wow. Mine's an interesting journey. Um, I grew up at a time when I was uh, being groomed to be a professional athlete. And at my time, it was not a cool thing for a girl to be. So I had lost some of my identity as who I could be as a female, as a sexual creature, what have you, because I didn't fit the norm. And so I got to the point of what I thought was marrying age or having kids age, that kind of thing. And was like, okay, whoever is available is who I'm going to go with because none of it matters anyway. And I ended up 30 years later uh, in a not a good situation, an abusive marriage, and then ended it like on a dime. And then ended it on a dime and completely jumped into the world of kink in a 24-7 TPE total power exchange. Um, now, during that abusive marriage, I was doing kinky things, but because of the isolation, he was a narcissist and all this business. Um, I was isolated from my peers to really know what I was doing was kinky. I mean, he was my first ever. So he was my first. Then I married him. I was in a bubble. And then I started getting wind in my 30s and 40s of other you know, you're, you're with other married couples and you hear how women were using sex as a, as a currency or leverage in their marriage. And I was looking at him like, what? And they would talk about how we'll dole out, oh, it's his birthday. I'll give him a blowjob. And I'm literally for 30 years having sex one, two, three times a day ongoingly, like forever. I was highly sexualized, but it wasn't a, my choice. It was a a forced issue. So then when I left and I really was just biding time until my kids grew up. Um, I mean, I literally left after graduation and went into what I thought is what a dominant submissive type relationship, because I do have a love language of service. I really get off on that in all parts of my life. Even as my professional dominant life, I love giving uh, my expertise to people to make them better. So long story short, when we started playing as a professional athlete, I was already a masochist. And as a professional coach, I was already a sadist. I just did it in the, in the professional life. And so when we got into play, I found out how much of a masochist I was and a pretty heavy masochist. And I'm not a pain slip, but I'm a, definitely a masochist. And I started correlating it with my professional athletic mm -hmm. career. And we really had like conversations that on surface level, when you go into FetLife, like there's roles, you're a submissive, you act like one, don't ask questions, you know, all these things, right? That really doesn't fall in a true way in a 24 seven TPE lifestyle. But we did have those conversations. And I started telling him how I thought if he 
was flogging me how it might be better for me, how I could take more. I could, because I was, you know, when you're a masochist, you're taking a deep dive into the different world. And he listened, well, luckily. She was super coachable. Yeah, but you listened. And then what was great about that is we started manipulating our scenes to meet the needs so that our sexual expression could be stretched. Um, and it's been magic since then. Yeah, I mean, the reality is, is that we began to explore kink together, really, in a lifestyle context, which means it just never turns off. You know, we're 24-7. And for three and a half years, we seen every day. Um, she had impact practically every day. We had a daily maintenance spanking. We would do high-intensity markings on the weekend. She lived a colored submissive's life and I lived a dominant master's life and we have a life together. And then there was a point where I think she just got comfortable. I think she just got comfortable <laughs> enough to share some of the things that she was processing through her this exploration. And it, I started to hear a demand for her sexual dominance. I started to hear it in the way she shared. And I want to go back to just one thing quickly, which is she said we had these conversations. Those conversations is how we got the podcast started because mm -hmm. we talked every day about how do we debrief our scene? What do we try? Like there's a lot of our journey in our podcast. If you go back to the beginning and listen through it. Yeah, you'll actually hear us transforming. It's just the it's, evolution. We're actually transforming. Yeah. So, you know, by coincidence, three things happened sort of, at the same time. Thing one was we had been doing hypno kink for a long time and she had been learning how to have a mouthgasm, which is to say have a true orgasmic experience with a cock down her throat. So that was one thing that she had been training for. And we had started to have a conversation about clit enlargement because I have a little bit of a clit fetish. And so... <laughs> We had started to have that conversation and we we're beginning to explore it, but we hadn't gone very far. And then she had to go out of town for work. And while she was out of town, <laughs> I spent the week literally surfing big clip porn and became pretty obsessed about it. And when she came back, we started a process and we had a conversation around, we started a process of expanding her clit and she would, she was going, growing into this clit expansion experience and her clit was actually growing which was amazing <laughs> i mean really if you think about it we want to grow your clit okay let's grow it okay it's growing you know? <laughs> uh, add some water little fertilizer yeah exactly <laughs> and then we got really sick we got food poisoning oh, we both got food poisoning on the same day from the same restaurant and it wiped us out for a week and keep in mind we literally had sex every day for almost four years by this point and for, for a week, we're just Senior. laying in bed. We, yeah. we just we can't move. We're laying in bed. And by the end of the week, we're both like climbing the walls horny. And I don't have as much strength as she does. She has more strength than me. So I said, well, why don't you just climb up on my face? And she's sitting on my face, and she starts fucking my face. <laughs> and I found that to be the most arousing experience we had had in, in ages. And so these three, these three things are happening at the same time. First of all, she's starting to talk about being more dominant. She's growing her clit and she's fucking my face all at the same. And it just created this like calling for us to begin to explore what was there for her. Right. So, you know, um, 
one of the things that's come out of this is as she's growing into herself as a sexual dominant and I'm like her panty wearing sissy hanging out with her. (laughs) She and I have been having a conversation about labels, you know, and just this idea that we're not really exploring dominance and submission. That's not really where our space is. We're in a 24 seven lifestyle relationship that's sex forward and kink forward. And what that means is we're just going to explore what there is for us to explore. While she was my submissive, let's call it, and we had those experiences where we did hypno kink and so forth, we actually began to experience energy orgasms, which was something we had not anticipated. Yeah, we didn't even know what people were talking to us and saying, you're having a tantric experience. And we're like, we don't even know what that is, but we're having something because I'm actually feeling, and he's flogging me from behind. At least it takes me 300 strokes to get ready. And then the real flogging begins. And I was feeling like the energy come from the flogger, flogger one would hit, even though I'm turned away, obviously, from him. In my mind's eye, I could feel energy pull from the flogger as it leaves my body, but still attached to my body and then go up in the air and then come back at me. So this energy never left us. Yeah. And the energy started becoming colors. Yeah. And, and I was like, this, uh, this is weird. Like we're having this really weird moment yeah. where I'm tethered to you like while you're doing this. It's pretty ethereal. And yeah. that, that, that experience became something we could duplicate sort of over and over. over and over again. Not just that particular description that you have, but actually where we're having sex and we're both energetically having full body orgasms for prolonged periods of time. And it's you like, can't tell whether you where you begin and end. Yeah. Like you feel like you're one. And I know people talk about that all the time. And I, I think I've even tried to describe it, but no, like this was like an actual, like mind's eye kind of moment where you couldn't discern where you began and they started or ended or what have you. You just were in this, um, just like just a big energy, total ball. energy yeah. ball. <laughs> craziness. So, so we, you know, we got there and it's not like there was something wrong when we decided to explore what else is there. We can go there anytime, and we have recently as well. Yeah. But the point is that because we're exploring what's available to her in being a sexual dominant, that gives me an opportunity to explore what there is in being a sexual submissive to her. And so it's just given us another place to explore the other half of the circle, you know? So we've got like 180 degrees covered. Now we're going to try and get the other 180 degrees covered. And it's really... It's, I gotta say, you know, like it's the best sex I've ever, ever. had. Yeah. <laughs> in my whole life. I mean, Literally. in my whole life. And every time we had seen, it's like the best. It is ever. always the best sex. It beat last time. Yeah. And it's not like we're doing anything different per se or not, or sometimes we do, but it, it's not that. It's not what we're doing. It's the actual being present and the experience that's actually happening, whether it's sadistic masochism, whatever. It doesn't matter what it is. It evolves into this other place. Mm. It's been quite remarkable. Yeah. And so how does it affect your relationship outside of sex? Oh, well, well, we're weird because we have a lot of affinity, relatedness, connection. That's one of the things that when we considered doing the complete Monty on the 24 seven TPE was, you know, can I be in the apartment with him? You know, or what, you know, can I be in the space with him? Yeah. We're very aligned and our relationship, you know, we've done a lot of work in our relationship 
I mean, we literally seemed every day and then talked every day for hours about not just the sex, but our relationship, because we're both coming out of long-term marriages. Neither one of them worked, and we wanted to make sure that what we created actually worked. That wasn't that. Wasn't that, right? <laughs> yeah. So so we've done a lot of work on our relationship ongoingly, and um, we're just so aligned. You know, we have such a deep relationship in terms of our interpersonal connection, the vulnerability that's present, the intimacy that we can create with each other, just the the experience of being with a partner as a teammate, as a wingman, as a partner in exploration, right? So, you We're know, sex explorers is what we are. Yeah, we're sex explorers. We actually, <laughs> we actually created- a, We created that word a while ago, like a, a year or so? Yeah, yeah, but yeah. we created a context for our relationship where there's nothing wrong. We're 100% responsible, each of us, for what occurs in there. We're committed to um, having no space between us. Ever. Ever. And so, you know, that's our relationship. And then because we're sex forward, kin forward, that's a standard operating practice for us is to be engaged sexually. So we still have sex every day, um, but it happens in a a different way because we're not like let's say going into the dungeon, you know, we're just having sex our dungeon in, our, is our, in house. our living room, right? Is our house. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So you were talking about, and I don't want to cut John off, but um, you had talked about, you know, evolving like this and having these conversations, you know, and it started off with, you know, clit, pumping up that clit and making it pretty. Uh, <laughs> yes. Um, so, you kind of evolved in doing this podcast. So tell us about the podcast because- the podcast, Yeah, the podcast started um, right before COVID hit. Which was a blessing for us. Yeah, so what happened was we literally had a two or three hour conversation every day. And at the end of those conversations, one of us would say, you know, that was a great conversation. I wish we had recorded it. And we did, this kept happening, right? We were just having these really great conversations, a couple getting to know each other. Like post scenes, because we're doing new, because we're new to each other. So we're doing new things in scenes daily. We're doing new things that we've either of us have ever done daily, but we're also new together, you know? And so we just said, well, let's just, you know, have a conversation and record it. We actually used our cell phone to record the first conversations, right? We just turned on the recorder and we just kept the conversation going and that became the first podcast. And then when we thought about what should we do, well, she became a sommelier. So we thought, well, let's just have a cocktail and have yeah. a conversation, just like you're in a bar, right? And and so that's what we started to do. And our first, I would say, 12 or 15 episodes were really setting the construct of our relationship, you know, affinity, reality, communication, right? Like all of that was in that first 12 or so episodes. And then we sort of ran out of content. We're like, okay, well, we should should interview people and see what there is, right? So then we started talking to other podcasters and we we reached out to this one guy. And we were crazy. We didn't know any better. We just recorded every day. And then he'd have to edit every single day to get it up in time for the pod. Like there was a time period where we were potting every day. Oh my God, it was- Well, for a year. For a year at least, Yeah. yeah. And- um crazy we we talked to this guy mako and mako has a a podcast called the big little um podcast 
and he said that he'd been listening to our podcast, which was amazing because his was like he had he had eight hundred thousand downloads, right? So the fact that he was listening to our podcast made us feel really special. I remember we first thought, well, will anybody listen to this? And then <laughs> and then we're like, oh look, we got a hundred downloads. Oh my god, a hundred downloads! A hundred people heard our conversation. <laughs> we were like so excited. Well, now you know we're four hundred fifty thousand downloads. You know, I, I, I don't know. It's like about three or four thousand a week. Yeah, we just have least. we just have like seven hundred episodes. I mean, it's insanity. Yeah, right? it, it's a huge library. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I I researched your podcast before I listened to it, and I saw that if you type in to ask Google what are the top ten best BDSM podcasts to listen to, and you ranked. In the top wow. three. Oh, that's great! Wow, Good you know, know. we haven't talked about that. Yeah. Well, yeah. we, we don't, we, you know, we don't podcast for any reason other than to explore our journey, right? So it's really like when we talk to you, we're not talking to you as much to find out what you're up to. We're talking to you to find out what you're up to that we can incorporate into our experience, right? Like we're listening from a place of learning. If that yeah, makes shared sense. knowledge, like okay. your perspective, and like, wow, I never considered that. That's something to think about. And like, like, I mean, I'm, just... I'm worried that she heard you say I'm going to pimp out my boyfriend. <laughs> I'm actually worried about that. <laughs> you got a big dick, Saffer. You're in trouble, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so we thought, you know, let's let's look at what do we want to know. Well, we want to demystify kink. That's what we want to know. And we're both, you know, comfortable in our bodies, and we're sex interested sex forward people. So we thought, well, we'll demystify sexuality and demystify kink and that'll help us explore. And the truth is, you know, we learned that she was a demi sapiosexual from one of our guests. We learned about hypno king from one of our guests. We learned about wax play from Dex. Oh my God. Dex. Oh my God. So, so you got to listen to that podcast. <laughs> I've seen Dex throw a whip. He's great. Yeah. Dex, but Dex has a secret <laughs> love of wax. Yeah. He goes off. I've heard he, we've had him on for bull whips. Yeah. He's one of our most fondest, fondest <laughs> kinksters. Guests, right. But one time he said, well, I really like to talk about wax. We're like, okay, okay yeah. Sure. No, he was creaming so, himself while he's talking so, so about he, wax. He goes, okay, you got to start with 40 pounds of wax. Yes. And he's like <laughs> so serious. And it's just it was so the great. passion he had was so amazing. It was great. Yeah. Anyway, so, you know, we just learned a lot about what we're interested in that we incorporate. And, you know, we've talked to... Um, sort of interesting, like public figures. You know, we talked to the author of um, the um, best polyamory sign. book. What is it called? Um, oh, 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 yeah. Why is every we've interviewed so many people? I don't know. Ethical slut. The ethical slut. Yeah, we yeah. talked to her. Really? Yeah, and we were having a conversation about polyamory at the time. We were just curious, like, is this something that fits for us? And so we also we talked to her. You know, and. The conversation we had with her was interesting because she was really a kingster talking about things we were interested in separate from polyamory in that conversation. And we just, you just realize that people are multifaceted, you know, what you see in here, you don't really know what there is under the water, as it were. And so it's an opportunity to really learn from a broader community. And we discovered because of COVID, we actually found community in our kink community yes. through the experience. And we've got, you know... Um, 
you know, really we've, we've developed our relationship coaching out of it. We've done presentations at, at DomCons and we're going up to Alaska in a couple of weeks to talk, you know, so there's a lot about the way our life is evolving around this that comes out of the podcast. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I love when I when I first started listening, I I loved how you had like the seventies kind of music vibe. And then, you know, you hear the little shaker and then you hear you're Leonard Petra. What are we having today? You know. And so it's like, oh, a new little alcoholic beverage. I love it. She's made seven hundred cocktails. I've made so many, I don't even know if things are new anymore. Like I'm just now trying to re we we're in a huge martini kick right now and I think we've got it down, but we keep playing with little parts of the martini to see if we can tweak it. Yeah. But um, yeah, that's been something as a, a kind of touchstone for us where we stop the world. We, we come into our place, stop the world outside. The very first thing we, you know, kiss him hello and that kind of thing. And then I'm texting him as I'm driving closer, like I'm on eighth so that he knows the cocktail needs to be ready and cold for me when I come in the door. And then we go sit down and, Have you, a conversation. you know, we're old, we hold hands and we talk about our day. And then we talk and then we get that out because that's space because you got to get the words out. And then we, okay, let's start our, let's go play. This is the rest of our time, you know, and that includes everything. Obviously the cocktail is part of it, but like the way we cook and cook together and create we're Epicureans. We're, we're hedonists. We want to eat good food. So we're exploring food in new ways and wines and sex. And it's just, <laughs> I mean, I live this a real hedonistic life. It's amazing. It's amazing, right? Yeah. Yeah. That sounds incredible. Uh, really, it's very incredible. So it's all within your grasp. It's everyone has this. Absolutely. <laughs> That's absolutely. amazing part. Well, you know, and something that a lot of people don't possess if what is what you have. You have this amazing dynamic. You share all of these things in your life. And like you said, we don't we don't separate, you know, I mean, and that's something you know, so many people, they don't have the joy of experiencing. Yeah, we you go for a walk every day. We, we, we try and be present to the place that we live. We, we literally stop and smell the roses. Literally. Right? <laughs> yeah. And we try and be present, right? Being present is like a big deal because if you're able to like literally be where you are, you're not like planning the next thing or dealing with what you dealt with before, but you're just present. Life is just wonderful. You know, it's abundance everywhere. Yeah. And I'd never like, you know, people always talk about as people have birthdays and come up, oh, would you wish you could go? No, because the only reason I'm here is from whatever life experience, even if it was shitty, what happened before created this now. And the opportunity I have now for this full self-expression and truly living my best life, hands down, I do it all over again just to get here. Well, you have 100% of your life left. I know. Yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great attitude. That is a great attitude, like isn't it? So you're based out of California. Seattle. Do you Seattle. Seattle? Yes. Okay. I knew it was West Coast. Okay. Yep. I yep. assumption. So, so what kind of scene is there in Seattle? Seattle's got a huge king scene. Yeah. Um, you know, first of all, uh, BDSM is legal in Washington. And so there are lots of dungeons and lots of pro Spanking clubs. Spanking and, clubs. Yeah. There's a lot of parties. You know, Seattle, you know, back in the 80s was a big MDMA sort of, you know, 
kink party ongoingly. We've talked to a local mistress, um, Secret Amy, who in her early experience would just go to these kink parties and, you know, have huge group sex experiences. And Seattle's just got a, a lot of that sort of thing. It's also got a big gay community, so there's a lot of gay kink here. And, um, and a lot of a lot of uh, what I think are, are really satisfying dungeons as as well as rental dungeons so yeah. that anyone who's access- interested can go rent a dungeon themselves or rent a dungeon with a professional to come in and educate to show the, the, the two people how to interact, which I think is hugely valuable because I think everybody's on the edge of kink and there's no right way to kink. It's just the way you want but to be exposed to the possibility, um, almost, I would say, kink feels like like adult recess. Yeah. Like it's our recess and it's our way of expressing ourselves. We're really not much different. If you think about when you're in a scene and you all of a sudden revert back to playground days, you'll start to see the similarities that are uncanny and be able to say, yeah, that's what we're doing now. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> No, That's great. awesome. Your, your attitude towards it is amazing. I, I even heard on the radio a week or two ago how science researchers have discovered that play is fundamental to our happiness. Yeah, sure. it both. is. Yeah. We have to play. We have to find things that make us happy. And to be able to do that with your partner and to do that all the time. You have sex every day since you've been together. I mean, does. We don't just have sex. We we're we singing. We're singing. So you're doing. You're, you take time <laughs> to make it a priority with each other to say yes. we're going to do this. Yeah, this is going to be part of our life. And I yeah. think that. Well, and I think that was the big kicker to be sex forward. Like at first, I go because I knew I was a sexual creature, but I didn't know what that meant. Like, what does that mean? I already have sex all the time. What does that mean? Yeah, I'm just going to bathe her brain in sex chemicals for yeah. years. <laughs> that's what's going to happen. And that's really what this yeah, is, right? it really is. Because we see in every day, we get the benefit of serotonin, I mean, endorphins, of adrenaline. We get all those. And brain changes. It really does rewire your brain yeah. in a way where you can, I think it's easier for me to find happiness, joy, peace at this point with my rewiring, if you will, than it ever has been in any time of my life. So what a great place to be. I wake up peaceful. I wake up happy. It really, it's only outside influences that have the ability to possibly disrupt my day, but my internal dialogue, the one we all carry, that little voice that you say, what's that voice? That's the voice we're talking about. That is dormant. That's quiet. It's not ruling the show or the day anymore. And that is what's so powerful about this. Yeah. Yeah. Kinky. It's amazing. <laughs> it is. It is. That's so cool. Well, that is so cool. Yes. Well, thank you so much for coming on. It's yeah. been great talking to you. We had a great time on your podcast. Thank you for being on ours. Oh, you're welcome. Thank I you. Encourage your guests to check out the Kinky Cocktail Hour on every podcast platform wherever Absolutely. you hear your favorite podcasts. Yeah. Absolutely. Thanks so much, guys. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much. And until next time, make all of your door the sex explorer fantasies become realities. <laughs> <laughs>